0: good evening ladies and germs welcome to church history for chumps what up john simon
1: i'm thomas do well
0: yeah so uh thomas how you doing today man i'm doing good
1: i uh i'm really glad to be here with you Whoa! Yeah, wow, man. man. Thanks. I'm I'm serious. Yeah. It's just nice to spend some time, take some time out of the out of the work day to chop up some church history with my favorite chump.
0: You know, we were just we were literally just saying we were kind of grumbling that you know when we when we first started the podcast we had this beautiful backlog of like eight episodes and now we're literally recording week to week because. We've kind of managed our time poorly, but we're also reflecting on how that's not so bad because we get to see each other every week, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is you know? cool, yeah. Just getting uh, getting to chop it up. So yeah, man, it's good to it's good to see you.
1: Yeah, and the weather's starting to cool down in Tucson, which I yeah. like.
0: It's only 116 today, Balmy. so uh, yeah, Balmy. Wa- walking weather. You know, sweater weather for some. <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, well hey guys, uh, the title of the episode probably spoiled it, but we're actually gonna do something a little bit more, a little more casual today. We don't have a specific topic, we actually opened up our DMs to uh, all of our fans to let us know uh, what kind of questions you guys had for us that you'd like for us to answer. And these could be church history related. These could be personal, invasive questions. And we're committed to answer really as many as we can until we feel like it's starting to drag.
1: Yeah, and and side note, if you are listening to this and you're like, dang it, I missed out on all the fun. Mm -hmm. The way you find our Instagram is by searching church history. Number four, yep, chumps. So
0: church history for chumps. Yep, and you'll see that trademark that um baby blue and black that we use all over our uh, <laughs> our branding because i i really thought that branding was going to be really important for uh for starting our social media but no you'll you'll see us right away and you can, we'd love to give you if you could give us a give us a little follow Just yeah so and the community stays pretty
1: active over there it
0: does it does speaking of which can i tell you something that's exciting yeah today is uh is ellen's Twenty-seven year anniversary. Ellen, happy anniversary. Hey, happy anniversary. You know, we've given her a shout out before, but you know, this I think this calls for a shout-out. So yeah. we hope you and your husband are having a great time. Uh and you know, listening to a little a little church history for chumps um also yeah a big shout out to um the banner which is uh my denomination the christian reforms Churches, kind of like a flagship online publication they did a sick little write-up on us a couple days ago so if you've come to us from that welcome yeah welcome and uh and yeah we hope that you have a good time so we're gonna start off with one of our questions um this one comes to us from porky Rhines, and it says uh of your past episodes who would you most want to have a beer with, and on the flip side, who would you least want to have a beer with?
1: So, should we start with like who we would most want to have a beer? This is presupposing we both like to drink beer.
0: I do. Do you? I do. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a pretty big. Uh, I'm a pretty big beer drinker. On the moderate side, you know, I still keep it biblical. Um, uh, Big over
1: the course of, like, the year, right? Like, not on any given day. I
0: don't drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I keep it spread. I keep it spread. All right, all right. Um, But, yeah, shoot. I mean, uh well i i have the least because we've literally covered an alcoholic oh you took mine yeah
1: (laughs) i would not enjoy having (laughs) having a beer with the guy that drank himself to death
0: i just don't feel good about like i'd feel weird having a beer with like a faith healer in general Hmm. like i just uh i don't know i i feel like they like if 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 I was drinking a beer with someone from that tradition and I pulled out my phone to like take a selfie, I feel like they'd be like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, I can't drink a beer with anyone who wouldn't want their church to know they were drinking a beer. Sure, okay. Um, That's that's my least. Uh, Most, shoot, uh, any of the Desert Fathers I would have gladly shared a beer with. St. Moses, uh, the Ethiopian, I would have loved to have had a beer with um william wilberforce you know i yeah dude shout out for the whole slavery stopping thing i beers on me will that's <laughs> yeah. what i would say uh what about you yeah
1: uh man i would say i would agree i think having a beer with uh a, a. allen would be pretty uncomfortable <laughs> um i think probably most like to have a beer with would be uh lawrence the deacon because he was just yeah. a legitimately funny guy Mm-hmm. and he would be awesome to like he's he's the type of person that i have most enjoyed sitting like on some back patio somewhere yeah. sipping a, a craft beer. Is like you know they they know how to carry the conversation they're funny but they also have some gravitas to them that really makes you want to stay and, and talk to them
0: that's an interesting point yeah i feel like when you choose the person that you want to have a beer with you got to think like sense of humor storytelling ability their ability to just go along with the vibe or the flow of the night like honestly that'd be kind of a drag to have a beer with a mystic because they have nothing to gain their their life is all about <laughs> visions and experiences what's a beer gonna do for them <laughs> so yeah all right well thanks porky we appreciate that question yeah um lance brown uh t- said could you tell us a little bit about the whole deal with arminius and john calvin uh Sure. I mean, we'll get into it real briefly. So that's uh that's an interesting it's it's an interesting story. So for those who don't who aren't familiar, this is a J- J- Jacobus? Jacobus 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 Arminius and he was not quite a contemporary of John Calvin and he was he was a heretic pretty sure right like wasn't he like objectively like not just a calvinist heretic he was just like a straight-up heretic
1: mm, i don't think so i think Ooh. that there's i i would i think that uh all of our wesleyan brothers and sisters would would uh connect uh the dots between their uh soteriology and uh Arminius.
0: okay i could i could be
1: wrong on that but this was more of like this wasn't like a i would say a so uh the followers of calvin would have called him a heretic
0: okay Um, well they they definitely and there was a
1: lot of religious wars around that time as protestants were trying to figure out how like what the new orthodoxy was going to be so Mm -hmm. to speak and yeah when we're talking about those guys it's probably just important to realize like you said they weren't contemporaries and really what gets, what's being talked about when we're talking about Calvinism and Arminianism is like the way the followers of those two men right, kind of understood their work and what they did with it.
0: And to fill in the gaps, for those of you who aren't familiar with this story, uh, Jacobus Arminius was burned at the stake by the followers of John Calvin in Geneva in Switzerland, which is kind of where John Calvin had made his semi-theocratic kind of Christian place, which again, like, and this is why I'm excited to get more into the Reformation soon. The Reformation, by and large, kind of seems like the Wild West when we compare our 21st century religious views to it. One thing we have to remember is that, like, Even the act of burning a heretic at the stake, super common. Like we have to remember, like the Reformation was followed by 30 years of bloodshed and not just between Protestants and Catholics, but sometimes between Calvinists and Lutherans like Mm -hmm. uh, religion and politics were seen as the same which meant to deviate from religious convictions was literally political treason and political treason was punishable by death. And so the fact that Jacobus Arminius was trying to teach his, uh, his theology to the people of Geneva was literally seen as him trying to destabilize the fabric of their community, which was punishable by death. Now there's a whole lot to get into. I think We'll probably just do an episode about that in the, in the future. Yeah, we're
1: kind of like in the middle of like a, or just starting almost like a Reformation era miniseries right yeah. now. So, yeah. So, yeah,
0: we'll get into we'll that. But thanks, thanks Lance. That's It's a really interesting topic. And, you know, it's funny because uh, Calvinists will use it to talk about how baller the Calvinists were and Armenians will use that story to talk about how much the Calvinists suck. And, and really, it's just, it's just interesting history, dude. You know, there's so much to get into there um hey let's get another question uh brian betts asked us what positive and negative contributions do you think our current generation will have in the scope of church history that's a good one that's a really good question Betts, you the man bippity boppity bets yeah he loves that Yep. (laughs) man so i've got a thought on that yeah i mean dude i've got like 50 thoughts on that i'll let you go first okay
1: I would say, so let's see, he asked, what are the positive? Well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking negative right now. I think He said positive and negative. Yeah, well, so it's kind of like this double-edged sword. True. So uh, I would say one of the most positive things that I think future generations will look back on us and see is, and I'm not even sure who these people are yet. The dust hasn't settled. But we are living in a time where information is more readily accessible to people than any other time in history Mm. and to those who are using wisdom and applying their uh these tools to their learning i mean you can really do some pretty cool work developing like new theological insights Mm. this century that just simply were impossible at all other times in history like we can really survey like even what we're doing we have a we have a podcast where we're talking (laughs) about church history that's super unique that we Mm. even like I would say the more unique thing is that we even know about church history to the extent that we do or we have the access to that knowledge and how easy this stuff is to look up
0: like it's it's real easy
1: (laughs) the double edged sword um, I actually was just reading something yesterday in a book this is from a a book uh, about the Magdeburg Confession which we might talk about in our Reformation mini series there's an introduction by a guy named George Grant and he he wrote He wrote this, he says, uh, perhaps our greatest fault in the modern world is that we have limited ourselves by parochialism in time. It is difficult for us to attribute anything but backwardness to those epochs and cultures that do not share our peculiar goals or aspirations. Mm -hmm. So in short, basically he's like, we have this huge flaw where we look back on past generations and assume that they were all dumber than us. And right. assume that like we are at the 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 cutting edge of all knowledge and advancement and it's like actually first of all we're not mm. <laughs> um we have the tools available to us like i was just saying but i would say that blindness or or not just blindness but uh kind of disrespect for prior generations yeah and and eras is a big problem
0: sure So I've got like a scatterbrained answer and a little bit more collected answer. The scatterbrained answer is there's there's too many ways to look at this because the church in in the way that we'll remember church history for what's happening right now is too broad because I mean, just look at it like within my own denomination in the dutch reformed world there are drastic changes coming down the horizon you look at what just happened in the united methodist world uh and their relationship with uh americans and the african churches that their missionaries had had planted over generations um look at the oriental orthodox and the eastern orthodox talking about you know uh putting the past behind them and, and reconciling like look at the catholic church uh dealing with the enormous fallout of the sexual abuse scandals that happened through or that were that were that were exposed uh 30 40 50 years ago like currently the, are... the
1: global anglican church is talking about like not recognizing the authority of the the archbishop in, uh, in Canterbury, yep, yeah, Justin Welby—they don't like him.
0: Yeah, there's, there is, there's so much happening, and because the Church of Christ exists in so many different historical context. I mean like you've got the church that's exploding in South America. You've got the church that has existed in parts of Africa that is still existing well. You've got churches in persecuted countries. Like all of these places have different fragmented histories that are all going to be studied and looked at in a beautiful way not just by our history books but I think when we have a greater view of the cloud of witnesses in New Jerusalem we'll be able to look at these things with nice. a clearer
1: view. Amen.
0: But, um, but I think like if I had to, if I had to boil that down to a simple answer, I would say, um, like Thomas said, we have a tremendous access to information. And I think that as a result of that, like, you know, there's, there's a cool page on YouTube. I, I wish I could name drop it right now, but I can't remember it. But it's basically a Protestant dude who will like show up in like Eastern Orthodox churches and talk with their priest and they'll walk through the liturgy and stuff like that. Like there's so much access to that kind of stuff. Like because we are no longer sheltered to seeing only our one dimensional view of church life. Now we're asking questions and seeing how we can incorporate things in better ways. And I think that's a big part of why liturgy has become such a big topic of conversation lately is because we're is because people in evangelical protestant world where nothing in your church is older than you know the chairs in the freaking you know lobby or whatever and they're thinking well what about these churches that are doing these things and using these parts of worship that have existed for hundreds of years what is it what, what is what is the divine liturgy what does that look like and i think that because we're because we're now not afraid of asking questions the church is able to grow into spaces where we can actually have greater camaraderie with our with other people that are outside of our context yeah i also think something that i'm just noticing is i feel like the church is starting to heal from the rift that happened in the early 20th century where the mainline and conservative churches kind of split down the middle And the mainline churches kind of called dibs on social justice and the conservative churches called dibs on good theology. I feel like I'm seeing more reformed churches and conservative churches start to say, oh, actually, we dropped the ball. We actually really needs to commit ourselves to biblical justice in a wholesome way and uh and i would love to say mainline church i was gonna say i don't feel like i am seeing that being (laughs) reciprocated i i think it might be a one-way healing but you know i i don't know like the 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 place of the church right now is is so interesting i'm sure there's more negative things i can think of but for right now i'm i'm actually feeling kind of optimistic
1: oh yeah no and i would say when we study church history that's actually one of the things that we gain is a like a heavenly perspective on time Mm. where we see oh we truly are living in the church age like there is a lot of sad moments in history and and in church history but the the banner headline is really good
0: yeah really good absolutely um hey great great question brian that was awesome appreciate it dude all right here's our next question from limp in squiggly Limp and uh, squiggly. What's got? What's limp got to say? Uh, since you're both pastors and podcasters, I'll ask you this: Would you rather have a Joe Rogan-sized podcast or a Joel Osteen-sized church? Ooh, that's a fun question. Oh
1: man, those are both problematic.
0: You're like paralyzed <laughs> over there, man. <laughs> I'll tell you this: in terms of logistics, like honestly my I gravitate so quickly towards the podcast. Um, and I don't know if I should. but here's here's the thing., uh, my church is pretty small. Thomas's is too. Um, people have come to our church saying, we used to be part of a larger church, but it's so hard to feel connected. It's so hard to feel like you're part of a a real like community where everyone knows each other's name, where you can sit and have dinner like at our church, um, Mission Church, because I realize I don't think I've ever talked about my church name before. Mission Church, Tucson, Arizona. Um, we we have dinner after every service. We uh, we have small groups. We host things like trivia night and bingo night throughout different months and stuff like that. Like community is so important to us. I feel like one logistically, I don't know if I could see like a a twenty thousand person church like having the same values that i carry into ministry and more importantly i don't know if i biblically believe in a church being that size
1: yeah that's this is, that question really kind of gets into like what do we believe about the church period like what's our doctrine of yeah, the church
0: because i just feel like like honest i mean and, uh this this is a big this is another kind of like liturgy one of those buzz buzz topics that churches talk about but i legitimately like I kind of fall into that philosophy of if if you don't know your congregant's names, right, like you can't call yourself their pastor. Like if you're delegating pastoral care to elders or small group leaders or different staff, then they are functionally that person's pastor. Yep. And If you want to just call them a bunch of pastors and you become this bishop and it's this weird Episcopal conglomeration, that's still weird, but I'd rather you do that and be honest. But I, I, yeah, I just, I mean, granted, I've I've literally never... I mean I've only pastored one church in my life and it's been one that's this size. And you know, if the Lord if the Lord shines his favor and we end up growing, I think eventually we would have a conversation to have, but I just I couldn't imagine a yeah, church. Now, that we're big. all
1: about church growth because that means that there's disciples being uh being made. But I think you and I are probably both on the same page that we we would have i have major doubts that a church where there's 20,000 people showing up on one Sunday. First of all, there's not too many places where you can fit that big that many people at one time. Yeah. And uh, but let's say let's say you can. I would be okay with that. I don't want to, I don't first of all, I don't want to be the pastor of a church that size. But I would be okay with a church like that if they also had two to 400 elders <laughs> <laughs> so that they could have elders, you know, uh, shepherding people, uh, in groups of like 50 to a hundred. But then again, that, like you said, that's, that's basically like, uh, like an Episcopalian kind of Yeah,
0: structure. but it, it's, it's like Episcopalian if the whole denomination functioned in one building. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's crazy. No, nope, I'll take the podcast. Yeah the podcast would be interesting i mean it it has its own problems because joe rogan has a ton of cultural impacts right now and i think that if our podcast had that kind of impact we'd probably have to do more research (laughs) yeah yeah but we'd be making
1: you and i would probably each if we split it right down the middle i mean we'd probably be making about i don't know 25 million a year and like ad revenue and That'd stuff be pretty sweet yeah so i feel like i could maybe put a little more effort into it if i'd I read at least a few million. hours a
0: week yeah for that. yeah yeah i you know i keep telling people they're like your podcast's not gonna get that big and i'm like i'm shooting for the moon bro mm-hmm. like the stars so uh joe rogan yeah. we're coming for you yeah um, well, hey, thanks, Squiggly. Maybe this would be the first a
1: good first uh, opportunity to say we will absolutely take sponsorships on this podcast. Oh yeah,
0: dude, if I have wanna- like a. Like a slightly joking, not really, that like we get like a Christianity Today sponsorship where they just slap us on their website and they just throw us a couple G's every month just to keep doing what we're <laughs> just doing. a couple G's. Bro, yeah. I'd be happy as a clan. No,
1: or like even like, you know, if you got like a business and like you yeah. want to get some exposure, hit us up.
0: Oh yeah, dude. We'll, we we'll can be bought, about, we'll we talk. can
1: absolutely
0: be bought. Dude, we are, we are, pa- we are young pastors with tiny baby churches and little fledgling. We're not gonna, we're not gonna,
1: you can't, you cannot bias into changing history. But I can imagine something like this. And if you're interested, <laughs> go check out paydayloans.com yeah, And then today funny. we're talking about we're why gonna, usury is a bad thing in church freaking, history We're
0: not going to talk about like why dispensationalism is right Because, uh, because uh, you know, your break parts company <laughs> mm-hmm. gave us a couple hundo Nope um, no, shout out to dispensationalism though. We'll do an episode on that in a couple years. <laughs> All right, next uh, question. Our buddy Ophir Morales asked us, Ophir. what's your favorite kind of crime? Assuming to commit, right? like, oh, shoot, I thought just like to admire.
1: Well, I mean if you admire it it means you're thinking like I could do that right No, I don't think so oh. like if
0: you're like a true crime listener, oh, okay you're just you're just enjoying the maybe this the says something science. about us
1: because you were like, huh <laughs> what is some interesting crime to observe and I'm like, what am I what crime do I like to commit? Oh
0: well, I don't think I do that much crime, dude if you were probably like well no, I'm not gonna say that because the organization in charge of overseeing that crime is probably listening right now. Um, the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We're not that big, man. Uh, I've seen. For me, crime. it's like
1: any type of crime that I can get away with. That's my favorite type of crime.
0: Well, how about this? What's a, what? What crime would you commit if you knew you could get away with it?
1: White collar crime.
0: Oh, 100%. Like, uh,
1: like tax evasion. Like like Robin Hood type stuff. Okay. Yeah,
0: I would do straight up Robin Hood. Like I'd rob a bank. Okay, Maybe that sounds like a fun time. The Robin
1: like, Hood, but, like, maybe weapons involved, well, too.
0: Like, like, have you ever seen a movie where they rob a bank, and there's, like, the hot-headed dude who's like, get on the effing ground, get on the effing ground, and then there's the guy who's, like, who's, like, the dude's, like, younger brother, and he's like, hey, hey, it's, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be alright. Like, every time I watch those movies, I'm like, I could be that guy.
1: Isn't that the beginning of, like, the Dark Knight? <laughs> <when he's described? laughs>
0: I'm <laughs> just saying, I could be the bank robber who, like, makes sure everyone's like, hey, he's... <laughs> He's, don't worry about him he's, oh. he's, he's all bark it's gonna be fine here's the you're thing dude you can't tonight. do
1: armed robbery anymore I just saw a video the other day with this guy walks in and he's got his hand like in a like in a purse and he walks into like a tire shop or something and he's like <laughs> everybody give me your money and like every, like no one's facial expression even changes they just uh. look at him and I think nobody's got that cash money anymore uh. see if you walked in with a little you know like square tap thing and you're like alright line up <laughs> like maybe but like you can't rob people anymore
0: it's a different world man yeah
1: that's why i'm never gonna let them microchip me because then you can't mug me
0: yeah hey uh shameless plug actually it's not even a plug a movie called hell or high water talks about bank robbers you ever seen it tommy nope great freaking movie you'd love it honestly uh so would you listener or heck or high water for the baptists we got a a question from our boy Jude, who actually sent us a voice memo, so I'm going to play that right now.
1: If you guys had to pick an era in which to share the gospel and get potentially martyred in, uh, which one would you guys choose? Uh, I'm going to repeat that just in case it doesn't come through. He said, if we had to pick an era in which we were to live and share the gospel in and potentially be martyred in, Mm. what would we
0: choose? That's a great question. Ah, uh, shoot. I mean, there's a lot of modern, like, things to pick from. Like, you could pick, like, the Middle East right now, or, like, China right now. Uh shoot. But, yeah, I mean, it would be cool to be, like, a Northern European missionary and, like, getting martyred by Vikings. Honestly, like, it's here's the hardcore. question. Like, like I... I think that god made me an american because he knew i was kind of a weakling (laughs) like i i think he did like the stories (laughs) i hear of just like like i think the holy spirit would give me strength but i also don't believe in testing the spirit (laughs) um so do i want to be transported to an area where they're gonna stick me in an iron cow that they slowly heat until i roast to death like a duck i don't i think i'd pass on that um so I think I'd go where they martyr the most gracious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a good question, Jude. I mean I feel like, you know, the right answer is like this one. I want to live right where I'm at right now. I want to be a witness to the gospel. No one cares right about here, the right, right answer. Now. But I think I agree. I think like the stories that we talked about with Brad where it's like these uh, these dudes getting on boats and just being like we'll see wherever the sea takes me and then they're landing on these islands and and uh witnessing to the people they're like that's pretty cool
0: yeah pretty cool yeah i like that i like that um all right well thanks dude. that was a solid question dude um slim yeshua says what's a good recipe you like to use to impress people um i love this question all right i'm actually i'm not a good cook but i like to cook I like to cook because it's it's kind of like a brainless thing to do. I just like stand on my counter, just chopping up veggies. You stand
1: on your counter? No, nah, stand
0: stand by the counter, you know. <laughs> I'm on the counter oh, no, chopping really veggies. Aren't you really are a good cook. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Get really, your dogs really off into, the counter, yeah. dude. Oh, man. Don't no, eat it, Johnson. Here's, here's a great – look, I'm going to give all, all the listeners a great recipe right now. All right uh this might be a little troubling for the for the non-alcoholics though so uh but i mean it, it's probably fine for the Let's non-alcoholics no, no, no shoot that, the uh, that teetotalers, like a, teetotalers right. yeah 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 all right just bear with, me, bear with me there's a there's a recipe uh crap i can't remember what it's called right now but it's basically like a uh like a roasted beef and so what you do is you get like a big like thing of chuck is it called roast beef? No, it's better than that, <laughs> Thomas. Gosh. It's like you get a big thing of like chuck, cut it up into diced pieces. Um, you take some garlic, probably like 10 cloves. Oh, I think I like know where garlic. this is going. Keep going. You might. Yeah, hold on. So you you uh, you put you get a nice uh, like a Dutch oven because Dutch ovens are great. You uh, sear both sides of all of the cubes of beef, remove them from the heat, throw in some olive oil, throw in some garlic, throw in a butt ton of black pepper, freshly ground if possible, just a ton of black pepper, and then Uh, reintroduce the meat and then take an entire bottle of wine like uh, I think Chianti is the recommended but really any deep red wine would work you just pour the whole thing over it and then you just let it simmer for like three hours nice you serve that over some like polenta which you can get from sprouts like pre-made you just pop it back in the microwave because polenta is like one of those things that's like stupidly easy to mess up um, you've got a meal that tastes like it would have cost you $45 at a restaurant and it's amazing. Nice.
1: Yeah. I thought you were going to say Guinness. I've done something oh, similar to that with Guinness. okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about that wine, man. The wine, it's like the acid in the... Uh, in the wine just helps to really make the meat super tender mm. but also just the grapiness makes it really flavorful it gives it like a sweetness but the meat is also super tender dude it's, it's you did a good my job my things. mouth's watering right now it's it's so good bro it's nice. amazing what's your uh, what's your go-to impress people recipe i like
1: to cook as well um i i can't think of something that i do to like intentionally impress people that i would cook however i have uh numerous times just simply been grilling burgers for people, and people mm. be like, "This is the best burger I've ever had."
0: And nice. you know what it is?
1: Is because I think that I use more seasoning than most of my brethren. Uh, gringo brethren mm. uh, typically use. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm 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 cooking meat at all, I mean, real heavy on the on the seasoning. Yeah, and it's it's good.
0: What's your spread? What kind of seasoning do you like to use?
1: I mean, salt and pepper is the standard but i i'm always adding garlic if i'm cooking Mm -hmm. meat but yeah salt and pepper uh some garlic powder maybe some onion powder a little onion salt and then i like cooking on a um i use a uh smoker grill yeah and that works like a convection oven so you can manage temperature really really precisely mm-hmm. and i'll use like a digital thermometer to like be checking like exactly when so i can i can cook your burger to order at my house nice steaks also super good okay but yeah i can cook some good stuff but like my favorite stuff is just the keeping it simple grilling meat for for people out in the backyard
0: yeah this is one of the questions but i i think this would be a fun little little thought experiment
1: oh also I make homemade bacon that people
0: Oh that's die true. For. and it's like it's like crack bacon. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a yeah, cuz you kill the pig yourself. Uh, I did. Yeah. I you, you probably thought I was joking when I said that. No, he's I've seen the I've seen the results. I've seen those big old pigs just hanging down just draining <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> like a, like a savage. Man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you'd show up to evangelize the Vikings, you'd be teaching them a thing or two. <laughs> oh man, like, oh, you guys are killing people all wrong. You got to tilt them, you know, oh, yeah. this way. You got to drain them. But no, no, here's here's a thought, a thought thing that I had. So, um, if if each of the spices were significant like figures in the church, like who would be who? Because I I think Augustine would be Black Pepper. One, Mans was African. <laughs> okay. Two, um, like because and I've had this thought so about. Does pepper. that make Patrick
1: mayonnaise? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty good. Actually, that's solid, bro. Because, okay, no, that's good, and I'm gonna get into that. <laughs> Oh Gosh, that's so good. Hold on. Hold on. So here's my thought about pepper because pepper is so like accessible You kind of think it's basic pepper is amazing. The more I've used pepper the more I've realized pepper is like a top two spice That's why it's there. It really adds this like subtle earthy kind of spice. It's like more complex than just straight cayenne, it doesn't have all the junk that a lot of like the mixers have. Pepper is amazing, mm. so I think Augustine because he's so popular, people assume he's kind everybody of everybody claims dud, him, right? But eventually you come around and you're like, this is incredible. Mm. The reason Patrick is a freaking is mayonnaise <laughs> is because nobody expects. Like, people like, oh, I don't like mayonnaise, I want this garlic aioli. Well, guess what, homie? Garlic aioli is straight up just garlic powder and mayonnaise <laughs> and a little bit more olive oil. Like, people never really recognize Celtic influence mm. all over our theology. Turns out it's there, though. Nobody wants to be about St. Patrick, but they are. Yep. Plus, mayonnaise is kind of a meme condiment. And St. Patrick is a meme because he's a freaking holiday.
1: So you know who uh, that was? That was that was super insightful, by the way. Thanks, man. Next level. <laughs> um, you know who uh, Thomas the Apostle would yeah. be? What do you think? Turmeric, because India.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> <really>, at all? <laughs> How did he die? How did he die? Because tur- the old one thing I, I think, think, of, think he was martyred in India. Okay the one thing i think of when i think of turmeric is anti-inflammation so if he died of some <laughs> oh, inflammatory yeah. like martyrdom like cause that'd, be, oh, that'd here, be great we gotta
1: find out thomas yeah. the apostle martyred he's
0: probably i think he like had his head chopped off or something
1: he was killed with a spear
0: okay yeah mm-hmm. all right yeah not a lot of inflammation there but yeah mm-hmm. that's interesting all right yeah that was that was fun Hmm. We'll do a whole episode on that. All the spices Saints and spices. <laughs> oh man! All right. Now a new, uh, new question from our our good friend and frequent listener Taylor Treadway. Hey Taylor. Who are some figures from church history that would totally vape if they were alive today? LOL. Rar. Wow. Kind of, a, um, kind
1: of a sus question.
0: Kind Taylor. of a strange question. Um. That's that's interesting though. Vaping is kind of. It's got it's like a culture of its own these days. Um, C.S. Lewis would be chuffing that vape today. Do not think he'd be one of the traditionalists who's like, "Nah, I still just rip cigs." I you think he'd, he'd, he'd be, be doing like, both. I think he was yeah. a. I
1: think he was a nicotine Beamed. fiend. Fiend yeah. through. Luther would a hundred percent vape. While yeah. he's on, he's just like roasting people on Twitter, and he's like <laughs> v- vaping.
0: It's like Luther, dude. Gosh. He'd have a giant mod, too, bro. He'd Mm. just be like a chimney. Who else would vape? Let me think. Yeah, that's a tough one. You kind of got to be a little bit of a... A little edgy, a little countercultural. I bet Dietrich Bonhoeffer, maybe.
1: Hmm, Okay.
0: Even like, I I tend to think he's more of like a civilized guy. But who knows? I mean, you got to have a little vape in you to try to take out (laughs) Hitler. That's what I've always said. (laughs) Oh, man. Um. Who else, man? Uh, I bet Saint Joan of Arc. I I bet she would have vaped. Yeah, because she was like seventeen. So like she's probably vaping in like a bathroom stall or something. Oh, like yeah. that. in the high in her little. No, lot, I think there'd be a
1: lot of popes that would have vaped, but no one like they wouldn't want anybody to know. Uh, you know? Geez, yeah.
0: All the crusade. You books. go in their
1: office and they're like fanning the air and like he's trying to like kneel down really quick in prayer.
0: Yeah. Well, dude, I almost made this question ah oh, shoot i just kind of revealed that this question wasn't really from our friend today. oh uh well i almost asked who. what who would who would smoke like ganja but oh I, yeah i feel like there were a few like i think the crusader popes would have definitely i think some some popes just didn't really have like a moral compass i think even catholics would agree with that right there were some popes who just kind of went off the rails
1: i sure hope they agree
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, there's some very problematic popes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks, Taylor. Um, C Note uh, asked us, that's "What's my, up?" That's what my call? buddy Caleb. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, What's up, cool. Cub? Uh, he said, "What's up with Ron Wyatt and the Blood?" Uh, I had to look this up because I thought this was a gang-affiliated question, <laughs> um, but it turns out Ron Wyatt is like this dude who. Apparently created all these like historical views for where all of these biblical artifacts were and thinks He knows where the Ark is or the Ark of the Covenant is and Noah's Ark and he uh, has got some blood from Jesus and stuff like that But from from what I read which was very very little it seems like historians kind of take this guy to be a hack um, That's all I really know but maybe he's worth an episode in the future that could be kind of cool We've yeah, done, no, we've that'd done be, hacks that, before. That, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, is he still alive? Oh, well, I feel bad I don't calling know. somebody a hack who's still breathing. Yeah. actually, no. Maybe I should only call. people I feel like hacks. I grew up like in the
1: '90s when like there was a lot of fascination with, and actually, and I'm not sure if this is exactly when Ron, Ron Wyatt was doing his thing, but like, yeah. a lot of fascination with stuff like finding the Ark of the Covenant sure. and like some of these archaeological dig sites it was really popular to like speculate about that sort of thing.
0: Well. Well, and that's actually interesting. Like, I feel like there was a time when proving the faith was a big emphasis in apologetics. And I feel like even now, apologetics is moving away from proof-based arguments and more towards, like, philosophical arguments. Because I think that as, like, our culture doesn't really care about, like, the scientific method of religion they're more like how does this speak to me how yeah. does this answer the internal truths of my existential for sure Cells. that's a,
1: actually that ron white question if 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 you're right john that's actually kind of connected to the conversation about uh the fundamentalist movement in the early 20th century which we'll definitely do a podcast on at some point but basically uh Uh, leaders in like mainline churches starting to reject some of the super liberal ideas in the mainline churches in Mm -hmm. America in the 20th century. Like part of what was done a lot in the 19th, 18th, 19th and 20th centuries in the face of liberalism. uh, I'm talking about theological liberalism and like enlightenment principles is like actually finding that a lot of what the Bible talks about is verifiable. Like archaeologically, Uh, the manuscripts that we have for the bible are rock solid um so these things (laughs) there's like the good side of that and then there's like the cringe side of it which is kind of what we have with ron white it seems yeah
0: what do you think about ken ham i like
1: ken ham and i am thankful for him he comes across as a one trick pony to me like um, yeah. I think Ken Ham's good. I think a lot of the work he's done is super good. Uh but the type of work that he's doing is not like the be all end all of Christianity. Sure. I'll leave it at that.
0: I I you know, I speak as an uninformed. I mean here's the thing. I'm uninformed through ninety five percent of this podcast, <laughs> so I might as well keep the ball rolling. I I feel like Ken Ham is the ambassador. For people who believe that you can't have anything more nuanced than a young earth creation view of the Bible. And I think that's so maybe it's not who Ken Ham is, but it's how Ken Ham is used or like even weaponized by some people. Because like my views on the age of the earth have definitely like I wouldn't say they even spun 180. They've just opened up to where I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, and I'm not. I I'm not. I I don't feel like I need to answer this stuff. And I yeah. So I mean, the vibes are off with Ken Ham. But if you say he's cool, yeah, I, I'll put it I this way.
1: Cool. I, so at this point in my life, I'm a young Earth creationist. Like sure. I I I believe in a young Earth. I think that there's good science to back it up. However, I don't think that what Genesis one is doing is trying to give us a snapshot of how god made the earth so much as it's building a theological argument and i think so much of the focus of ken ham's ministry is looking at like the science side of genesis which i think is there mm-hmm. but that's not the primary thing that the genesis is trying to do right and uh yeah
0: so. yeah and i mean like i don't know i i think that you know again within my church's context like The flip side of the proof element being so crucial to apologetics for that little blip of like 20, 30 years of like recent church history is that there are people who, if they weren't on the right side of those arguments, were kind of, you know, skipped to the curb and not really given like space. Like, I I just think of a guy I know, I know through another guy who, uh... Basically, started asking questions about whether the church, whether that, whether the the universe could be older than the young Earth view would allow, and he was basically like, more or less, called a heretic and forced to leave the church mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a bummer. That that's definitely a bummer.
1: Yeah, there's nothing so about the age of the Earth in the Apostles' Creed. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But exactly. I will say, um, a critique that I have of people who want to run from a young Earth. Uh, perspective is one in, in which like we got to be careful that you're still retaining a good doctrine of of uh of
0: scripture sure yeah but. Yeah, yeah yeah i'm not i'm not against that uh, i'm not for it either but <laughs> <laughs> all right next question from skip Erdeflipper. uh favorite quote from church history yeah. favorite quote from church history
1: nice i know mine do you know you yours? yours
0: um i've got mine i've got a tie they're both short quotes one is uh the uh last words of joan of arc as she was being uh killed where she said uh raise high the cross that i might see it through the flames Mm. i just love the simplicity and the beauty of that verse or that that saying and uh really makes me want to do an episode on her we definitely will she's on our logo she is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need she to do is. a Joan of
1: Arc episode.
0: Yeah, man. I the thing is, like, you have to to do. I've I've told people this who are like, when are we gonna get one? You, to to get into Joan of Arc, you not only have to get into like the crazy, mystic, like r- strangeness of her story, but you also have to do a little bit of the background of the war that she was involved in between England and France, and that's just a lot of homework. Yeah. So I'm super down, but in due time. Yep and then i think that my second favorite quote would be from uh bernard of Clairvaux, who i could i could fill this list with quotes from but it was something like and i hope i don't butcher it um in the first creation god gave me myself in the second creation god gave me himself and within it i found all that i'd lost restored
1: Mm, Um, wow that's
0: good yeah so i love that quote what you got homie
1: I think my favorite is uh polycarp when he was on trial before the magistrate and they're like please save yourself like renounce christ you know and and uh and honor caesar and he's just he just says 80 in six years have i served christ and he has never abandoned me how then can i abandon my king and my savior
0: mm, yeah i like that so much that's a good one that's a gem yeah a gem it gives me vision sure.
1: too because i'm like i want to be able to say 80 and 6.
0: yeah yeah and uh, a few minutes later that whole coliseum was smelling like bread Mm-hmm. that's right yeah not a baker to be seeing though nope just the holy baker all right and uh this is our last question this is from ryan collins and he asked if we could uh share a little bit about the chicago cubs revival happening right now i
1: would love to comment on that
0: yeah why don't you do that
1: you know um we try to stick to christian revivals on this podcast Mm. and ryan if you want to talk about pagan revivals you can start your own podcast (laughs) and uh i'll come on and we i'll talk about the rockies and uh since i know you would want me to talk about the rockies uh current mlb record i will just remind you what you should know well
0: because you're a pastor the last shall be first hmm yeah i'll just leave it at that yeah i'm on board with that ryan if you want to have a little pagan podcast where we talk about beelzebub and all these baseball names that's fine but uh (laughs) on our podcast our rules pal and uh but hey i I will say there's a lot of chicago cubs players that i really love uh like frank thomas eddie collins uh billy pierce Nellie fox uh luke appling um yeah. Thanks for sharing You want to know what's interesting about that list? Those were all White Sox players oh. oh That's right, Cubs suck And I don't know anything about baseball But I'm just trying to ride I'm trying to ride your way If you came in hostile, I'm trying to end it hostile
1: Yeah, Ryan and I have have uh, Ryan and I have a long-standing feud That has even made its way into the pulpit Yeah. Uh, over baseball so. Are the
0: Diamondbacks good right now?
1: uh no dang i don't think so hold on
0: we're gonna check out check it out let's see
1: as as things stand currently in the major
0: league of baseball in the nl i think that when the diamondbacks won mm, they're they're mid okay they're mid i think that when the diamondbacks won the world series and beat the yankees in game seven in like 2000 or 2001. Like that's when I gave myself permission to just like retire from caring about baseball. Oh, like you had your day in the sun. And then it was like- yeah, because time of back's like we changed our colors after that colors suck. Like it's in Phoenix. Phoenix sucks. Like it's just like, dude, whatever, man. I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan till the day that I die. And we're gonna have a great freaking season undefeated throughout the preseason i'm loving our i'm loving our rookie tight end i'm loving trev's looking great our, our coach is looking great all right. so uh yeah that's that's Ten what i goes down about. the jaguars game oh bro i i love the freaking jags okay. cardinals are fine i'll i'll root for them because i'm an arizona boy but that's all i got for them um and i love fits dude fits is great um all right, that's that's all the questions we have, dude. And yeah, we, we kind of fun. clocked in a good forty-nine minutes. I feel like that's that's a healthy episode.
1: Dude, well, thanks yeah. for tuning into the Q and A pod.
0: Yeah, guys. And uh, if we didn't if we didn't catch you this time with a with a Q, drop us one, and uh, we'll try to do one again in a few months because uh, that'd be really fun. This was fun, and uh, yeah, I'll be back next week with our regular scheduled programming. Uh, until then, God bless. We'll God see bless you around.